Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilots License Flight Number 34 with service to Seattle, Washington. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember, if your neighbor tells you that they want to make a great impression on you and mention Lupe Velez, please notify your flight attendant immediately. <laughs> welcome to the TV Pilots License. My name is Jeff Purvis, joined by Rich Inman and Max Singer. How are you boys doing today? Boy, um, uh, I am I'm here in the so good. <laughs> uh, I, I had a big plate of tossed salad and scrambled eggs before we started recording this week's episode. I am bathroom. ready. I mean, that does sound like a quality brunch, in all honesty. Like, that would be very lovely in my mind. But for those who are unaware, this week we are doing Frasier. Um, but before we dive in, Rich, is there someone calling? Yeah, I do believe we have uh, another person in our, sitting on our row right now. Uh, please welcome to your ears, Mr. Louis Aronowitz, and he is an Australian editor, publisher, and cypherpunk activist. He was convicted in Australia for hacking in 1996. He founded the WikiLeaks organization in 2006, which came to international prominence in 2010, when it published a series of leaks provided by U.S. Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning. Well, Louie, welcome so much to the pod. <laughs> oh my God. What <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> what a, what um, a resume. All of that stuff was supposed to stay between us. Come on. <laughs> Look, you're in hiding. I see the blue screen behind you. Oh you could be goodness. anywhere. Well, Louie, do you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself uh, before we dive into uh, Fraser? Uh, beyond my very busy 2006 apparently <laughs> um uh i uh, i write music and comedy and i perform and kind of just do whatever anyone is willing to pay me to do so that's it a jack of all Aren't trades we all yeah well max for those who might be joining our podcast for the first time or joining to listen to louis do you mind telling folks what this podcast is all about Absolutely. So here at TV Pilots License, we break down the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous, or in some cases, infamous episodes. We figure out how these shows came to be and learn about their creators, discuss whether or not we think they're effective pilots and making us want to watch more and if they could be made today. We've got a whole bevy of episodes wherever you get your podcasts from, so go find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever. Listen to a show you know and love and want to learn more about. Listen to a show you've never heard of before i'm not sure why you would do it but go nuts uh and if it is your first time flying with us then welcome aboard yeah we, we do like to encourage people to watch the shows before they listen but it's <laughs> it's completely up to you i'm not going to tell you how to live your go life. off king <laughs> yeah do whatever you All want right. live chaotically rich talking about living chaotically what is your question of the week uh, so since there are four of us, uh, and there are also simultaneously four heads on Mount Rushmore, I would love to play a round of who is on your Mount Rushmore of spinoff shows. Uh, and this could be a character or just the name of the show in general, but, uh, try to go with the character. Oh my gosh. Um, well, well, is, isn't any spinoff then <laughs> character driven? Cause like the whole point is the character has uh -huh. to... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Live chaotically. Well, Live chaotically. Rich, you, Rich, you uh, kicked this question off. What is your uh, character or show that would be on Mount Rushmore? So I'm going to go a little unconventional on this. So, uh, And I don't want anyone to have to change their own answers for this. But uh, my 
Mount Rushmore spinoff queen is Amanda Bynes for the Amanda show, uh, which is, a, as we know, a spinoff of all that. Very nice. That's that's super solid. And which president's head are we replacing with Amanda Bynes? Please <laughs> specify uh, that. Amanda well. Bynes would clearly be uh, Thomas Jefferson. Okay. <laughs> Max, what about yourself? Uh, so we're taking down Teddy Roosevelt, and we're replacing him <laughs> with the man, the myth, the legend, Homer J. Simpson. Uh, we are taking uh, the Simpsons legacy, starting off as shorts on the Tracy Ullman show's four-year run before doing a 30-season and counting legacy that dominated pop culture. Uh, so, Teddy Roosevelt, you're gone. Homer J. Simpson, woohoo! <laughs> also firmly anti-capitalist. Louis, I'm curious, what what would be your... Uh, who are you replacing and what's your head? Um, I feel like most of the spinoffs that I'm thinking of offhand were very bad. <laughs> so... Um, I think we should we should go back and do the bad spinoffs, Mount Rushmore, also. Oh, but uh, I uh, okay. Do I, do I have to just pick one, or can I pick a, a bunch of them? You <laughs> pick guys all pick four heads. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> um, I feel like uh, Daria was really good. Oh, um, actually, Daria, King of the Hill, and Office Space. Basically, all the Mike Judge spinoff things have been really good so far. Are they all from? Like, what are they all rooted from? Is it Beavis uh, and Butthead? Well, Daria and King of the Hill are both from Beavis and Butthead. And then Office Space, what I guess is technically a spinoff of the Milton cartoons on yeah. TV Funhouse or something. Whoa. Actually, no. I'm changing my answer <laughs> to Ted Lasso. He is a spinoff from like an AT&T <laughs> from a web series from from the NBC commercials. Yeah, there were N- NBC sports promos for the Premier League like a decade before the show aired. <laughs> I I actually listened to this. It was such a wild thing. I listened to um, an interview this week between uh, one of the creators of Ted Lasso and Rich Eisen, and basically the idea was an ad agency was like, "What if you were just an American football coach?" And then Jason Sudeikis was like. That's it. I don't need you in the room anymore. I'm going to run with this and then yeah. turn it into a TV show. <laughs> Ted, Ted Lasso is hilarious to me because it, like, it, it truly is like, what if the Geico Caveman TV show was critically acclaimed? Wow, yeah. <laughs> I think I heard well, in an interview that Nick Kroll was the... on that show. Yeah. yeah. What? Like, that, Nick Kroll's one of the Geico Caveman. What? I always <laughs> just assumed the pitch for the Ted Lasso commercials was just like, what if Jason Sudeikis had a mustache? <laughs> That's that is it. really it. <laughs> so I actually had a really hard time with this question because there's a, there are some very good spinoffs that like ended a little bit too soon um, due to unfortunate circumstances. And then there's just some really terrible spinoffs. Um, I will probably go a little bit more recent with my answer and say Human Resources, mm. uh, which is a spinoff of Big Mouth. And I hope it gets another season. I thought it was really well done and talked about some really interesting concepts. Um, but if I'm going to go after the dumb one, uh, which people expect from me, I'm <laughs> going to say Angel or Xena, Warrior Princess. Uh, both of those are spinoffs and they are wonderful. Oh, yeah. Guys, we had a really big missed opportunity to replace Thomas Jefferson with George Jefferson. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Wow. That's uh, that's amazing. Well, and Teddy Rich... Roosevelt with Ted, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Rich, thank you so much for that 
question of the week. You're so welcome. Um, but before we dive into Frasier, the pilot, um, let's first talk a little bit about a synopsis. Uh, Dr. Fraser Crane moves back to his hometown of Seattle, where he lives with his father and works as a radio psychiatrist. Short and sweet, but Max, I know there's a lot more to making the show that we know as Frasier. Totally. So today we are talking about the NBC pilot for Frasier titled The Good Son, which originally aired on September 16th, 1993. We're talking about a trio of gentlemen today, uh, Peter Engel, uh, sorry, David Engel, David Lee, and Peter Casey, who also go by their banner of Grub Street Productions. And these three are, as I'm officially dubbing them today, the spinoff kings, uh, because all of them have roots in sitcom spinoffs. Uh, Angle got his foothold in the TV world selling a script for the All in the Family spinoff, Archie Bunker's Place, in 1977. Peter Casey and his writing partner, David Lee, served as writers and producers of The Jeffersons in the 70s. And the three meet as writers and producers of the sitcom Cheers in 1983 until leaving during the show's seventh season to form their own banner, Grub Street Productions, in 1989. In their respective time with Cheers, uh, all of them won Emmys for Outstanding Comedy Series in their producer roles. Angle also winning a writing Emmy for the season two episode, Old Flames. And Frasier's not their first independent sitcom endeavor. The first show they did, funny enough, also takes place in the greater Cheers extended universe, Wings. Wings takes place in a uh, basically the terminal for a small regional airline on Nantucket Island. And the trio found ways to bring much of the Cheers cast on for guest appearances, including an Emmy-nominated turn for Kelsey Grammer as Frasier Crane. So he's actually played Frasier three times on three different shows. That's wild. During, yeah, it's Man, crazy. Wait, just, is, Wings, is Wings actually a spinoff, though? Or is it just like a separate show that they incorporated? It's the same the broad universe. See, Nantucket okay. and Boston are very close <laughs> to each other. And if sitcoms take place uh, in the general geographic area, you're legally required to bring those characters over there. Because that's, that's kind of like, uh, that feels like a very 90s sitcom thing. Like how uh, Friends and Mad About You had... Uh, characters on both uh like it's like they kind of pretend like it's an extended universe but it's not really a spin-off new york city or when kramer <laughs> like was on murphy center Brown. of the universe yeah. <laughs> i love a, i love a crossover and max since these these gentlemen uh do primarily are primarily called in to either create or fix spin-off shows would you technically call them spin doctors <laughs> Would the city they live in technically be Spin City? Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll I'll see you all later. We've done it. I'm going to get back to my job. We're going to spin it right Uh, round. Uh, Like a record. During Cheers' eighth season, Kelsey Grammer strikes a deal with Grub Street to work on a new sitcom once Cheers ends. And everyone here was against the idea of a continuation of Fraser Crane. Wings was being referred to as Cheers at an airport, so they really wanted to branch away from anything having to do with Cheers. We all know how that ended up going. (laughs) The first concept that they pitched, which Kelsey Grammer really wanted to do, was going to star Kelsey Grammer as a paraplegic publisher. We love her alliteration here, folks. (laughs) Who was going to be operating a successful business from his apartment. And it was shot down by Paramount Television, who in turn suggested... Take a guess. <laughs> <laughs> yep, a spinoff of Dr. Fraser Crane. Oh my god. 
The group all reluctantly agrees with the understanding the show would take place as far away from Boston as possible to avoid being plagued by sitcom crossovers and tie-ins. Funny enough, the show was actually going to take place in Denver, but at the time they were writing the pilot, Colorado passed a law preventing municipalities from enacting anti-discrimination laws to protect the LGBTQ plus community. So they decided to go even further west, wow. which ended up in Seattle, Washington, a city that in the early 90s just becomes the epicenter for pop culture in America. So you're in saying this to show out, is woke. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about uh, we're a woke pilot. <laughs> uh, in trying to figure out what to do with Frasier in Seattle, the creators want to avoid putting him in private practice to draw too many comparisons to the Bob Newhart mm-hmm. show. And they went back to an old idea for a never produced episode of Cheers where Frazier would have sat in for a Boston radio host. In order to oh. not make it too much of a ripoff of WKRP in Cincinnati, they add the entire home life element. And that's how we get the character of Martin Crane in here. Funny enough, though, in rehearsals for Frazier, Kelsey Grammer pointed out that there is an episode of Cheers in which they reveal that Fraser Crane's dad was a research scientist, oh. to which everyone basically said, screw it. No one's going to remember too that. Much. We're just going <laughs> to completely uh, like retcon and change who Martin Crane is. And that takes us to today's episode, The Good Son. Boy, that sure makes a lot more sense for him to be a research scientist and, and have his children end up like that. I have one last thing about how this show was made, and I want to speak to a fellow alum of Pinecrest High School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Kelsey Grammer. Oh. Uh, Kelsey Grammer and I both went to the same high school. He went at the same the year. 70s. Um, and doing, oh yeah, I, I am absolutely <laughs> in my 60s. You guys play water uh, polo together. Uh, but one of the things that was, uh, I was doing a little bit of research on Kelsey to see like, oh, what did he do in high school? Yeah, he was on the basketball, he was on the uh, baseball team. He played a little bit of football as a middle linebacker. But I found this quote uh, from a teacher that I actually had. And it said, um, Kelsey was an average art student and an average student, but his heart was absolutely involved in the art, in theater. And I could not relate more to that. Um, Kelsey also supposedly wore a wig uh, throughout high school because his hair was longer than the dress code allowed at that point in time. Um, which, you know what? We talked about cape kids on last week's episode. Who knew that wig kids was an option as well? Uh, so to Kelsey Grammer, I say thank you for being an alum of Pinecrest and go Panthers. Wow. Uh, and- We've now got two back-to-back uh, alum episodes of uh, for from our, from our high schools. Uh, mine was founded in 1999, so good luck trying to find someone famous for my school. <laughs> Rich, we have you. That's the point. Yeah. You are the famous person from your high school. We're going to read one of my sketches and do a 90-minute episode on it. <laughs> Well, are you guys ready to uh, answer the call and go and talk about Frasier? Sure am. One of the things that Frasier does that I thought was really clever in this pilot was having the title cards of the different scenes uh, that we're going through in this journey. And the first one is just very simply called The Job. Uh, we And we get really like this great attempt at giving exposition of why are we here? 
what is, are we going to make remarks of why Fraser moved from Boston to Seattle? Uh, and we get to meet really Roz and Fraser and get to understand their dynamic. Um, boys, I'm listening. What are your thoughts on this opening scene? <laughs> uh, they do an awful lot of exposition in this like very uh in this extremely short amount of time she uh, instantly starts like getting into his own backstory and why he's there and i think they just did a really great job of knocking a ton of uh of early questions out um i mean that he you know got divorced uh moved away from his own child for, in boston and went back to his home city of seattle and I, he they got all that done in the cold open. I don't. I feel like a lot of shows don't set up that much. But I guess you know, is this our first spinoff that we've covered? To I think so. My knowledge, I, yeah, yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah, and, and I didn't. I didn't realize that that would be such a necessary part of this. Like they immediately make a reference to Cheers, they or like to the plot line of Cheers with the with the story of his ex wife, and I, I just think that this like. They do a ton of work and maybe like four pages of of dialogue here to to do the cold open. This is like the really polite public radio version of you may be asking yourself how I got here. Yes. Record scratch. Yes. <laughs> That's such a good I point. I thought it was uh I thought it was like um kind of clever actually, where they do this exposition dump, but the way that they get into it is someone else is asking them a question. So they're both doing the exposition dump, but also showing you that he's like not good at his job and obnoxious <laughs> and pretentious. Like they're they're kind of introducing all the elements that are going to drive this show forward by interrupting someone with the exposition dump. And on the other side of that, you get the hard joke of they had to cut to the news in the middle of a speech <laughs> so no one actually heard this rant. No one actually heard I... of like like dumping his heart on on air. So we don't get much of the Roz character in this pilot, but mm -hmm. I really did love the performance by Perry Gilpin uh, in the episode as a whole. I thought it was just such a, it, it does a good job of, there's very few scenes in this pilot where they just have Frasier be Frasier and not be surrounded by what I'd like to call a more normal human being, a more down to earth human being and the Roz character does such a fantastic job of bringing him down to earth making him realize uh that he is a bit of a dickhead and yeah it like i i really just enjoyed the the chemistry these two characters had they're doing the thing off the bat and i think this is another um like jimmy burrow specialty of like making sure that everyone is competent at their jobs rather than uh like they they they'll go into more detail as the show goes along of like how Roz will eventually like start screwing up her job or like letting her feelings get in the way of like her career and stuff like that but they immediately made her look extremely competent like she knew she's the seasoned pro Frazier is extremely new at this. I don't I have I don't know if any of you guys have actually watched more of Cheers that involves Frazier Frazier as like a recurring character. Um have they changed any of his mannerisms at all is he just like that on the show? I think that's the beauty of it is like rather than I I almost one of the notes that I have is the humor in this show almost gives off that sense of like British television humor. If that makes sense, like mm. some of the jokes are supposed to be slightly elevated in like making fun of the rich 
in that concept. And that's a theme that you see in a lot of British television. And you get that sense of like, okay, we need to have that character, that real human being to bring the audience in and be like, yeah, we can't, we all agree just an hour or 30 minutes of Frasier would be obnoxious as yeah. a whole. Um, <laughs> Max, go for it. I, I'm not, I'm not terribly familiar with his character arc as a supporting role on Shears, but if this fucking guy was walking into my bar, <laughs> sitting down and talking and talking all smart like that, I'd knock his fucking teeth in. <laughs> uh, for those of us at home, Rich is right. This is also a uh, a J F and B directorial special. We are back with the main man, Jimmy Burroughs himself. We're on our our fifth James Burroughs pilot now. Uh, if you're keeping score, we do hit ten. We will give you a free sandwich on us. Oh it, it won't I, take us long. He did like seventy pilots or something like that. Like oh for all God. all for like successful shows. I I do want to say that. I think it is worth mentioning that um, Gilpin was not the original choice for Roz. Uh, it was actually, does anyone here know who it was supposed Madonna. to be originally? Max? <laughs> uh, 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 not Madonna? Uh, uh, Elizabeth Shue, I don't know. Ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Louis, do you have any idea? Uh, Kirstie Alley. That's actually Ooh. not that far off. That's... Um, so... It was supposed to be a little-known actress by the name of Lisa Kudrow. Oh! Who oh. was originally hired to be on the show, but then fired after they filmed the pilot. Uh, and they refilmed it because they just were like, it's not working. The, her delivery is not working. And she's gone on to say, like, can you imagine? And she said, like, I started to see the show explode and knew I was supposed to be that character. Yep. And she was literally hired for friends right after that. Yeah. It was like, and, uh, like what, two years after it, maybe one. Yeah, exactly. Two years after she yeah. was hired to be on friends, which is insane. Understanding her voice on friends. She, she's a, they're a hundred percent right. That is not, she is not the right person for this. You need someone kind of grizzled to do this. And, and Roz brings that kind of like almost New Yorky, uh, feeling to it. Uh, what were we going to say, Louie? I was going to say, it's a funny coincidence that happened um, when you were kind of describing the dynamic of Roz with Frasier. Um, that's like a very like sitcom-y, like he's a kooky character and she's the going to like tell him you're being stupid. <laughs> yeah. And they did the same. I was going to compare it to the Big Bang Theory. They kind of do that with uh, Penny and Leonard. And they did the same thing where they replaced her after the pilot. They originally filmed it with someone else's penny. No way. And they were like, this yeah. isn't working. And they went back and refilmed the same exact thing. With oh. And a fun person. fact about these three sitcoms is despite taking place in Seattle, New York, and Pasadena, they were all filmed in Los Angeles. <laughs> hey. <laughs> That's so crazy. What are the odds? So let's move on to the next scene. Um, because I think that this gives us a little bit more of a sense of why Frasier is Frasier. And mm -hmm. the scene is just called The Brother. Uh, and we meet Niles Crane. Um, and I love this scene because it gives you an idea of imagine if, like, you literally cannot imagine a better person. Like, the way that David Hyde Pierce embodies the character of Niles Crane is insane to me. Like, it, I just can't imagine someone else doing it. And although these two characters, these two people are not related, you instantly leave the scene being like, holy shit. They are a hundred percent like somehow related. I could not see anyone else doing it. 
from a writing perspective, this scene's important because it passes what's called the Starbucks test, which is two white men discussing coffee in Seattle. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I uh, David Hyde Pierce of uh, Wet Hot American Summer fame. Uh, yep. that's, how, that's how I originally knew him. Um, yeah, they they really just like absolutely knocked the the dynamic between the two of them out of the park. Like I can't imagine a better possible casting for this. Um, I can't imagine him in anything other than this exact role. I, I don't, I don't even know what else he's done to be honest, except like uh, wet hot American summer. It feels like his, <laughs> like I'm taking off my mask. Now this is like, I want to have fun. I'm so tired of being Niles Crane. That's that. I feel like that was mostly for shock value for him. And like, I think that this, I talked about the chemistry that they have, but like one of the beauties of it is that while you can obviously tell that they are brothers, like they have this closeness, but also a rivalry mm -hmm. that is very much apparent. And there's something behind it of whether, like, who knows, maybe there was the rivalry for getting love from parents right? Maybe there was the rivalry of being who is the more successful human being as a whole. Um, but you can just tell that that is going to be a constant dynamic. It's never going to be love, love, love. Uh, there's going to be instances, and we hear a line later, you know what mother said, uh, a handshake is as good as a hug. Uh, where, like, the, these <laughs> they are so, two... much, so many good off-camera references in the show. It's so good. These are two very high IQ individuals and fancy lads. Yeah. Fancy intellectual lads. Fancy gentlemen, lads. but emotionally stunted human beings as well. Um that we'll deal with. He, um, David Hyde Pierce yeah, is in the greater Seattle uh extended universe too, uh, because he does have a he does have a role in Sleepless yeah. in Seattle. Yes, he does. I was yes, also checking does. to see if he was just in a sound garden video at any point <laughs> to complete the trilogy. <laughs> Louis, what did you think of this scene? Um, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think the actually that uh, that line about the handshake is just as good as a hug or whatever. Uh, aside from being like a, a funny joke, it's also a really uh, clever expositional tool where it shows you that these people are not only going to not be emotional in that way, but also that's a problem for yeah. them. Like they didn't get that from their parents and that's going to be a staple of what drives the show forward. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing that I found really kind of funny about this scene is like, it's such a weird, like time capsule of the nineties sitcom archetype where like, I don't know if uh, they really do sitcoms like that. Like maybe like the CBS sitcoms that I, I don't really watch them that much anymore. They maybe do them still, but it's like this, uh, this like rhythm of like, we love each other, but we actually hate each other, but we actually love each yeah. other. And here's a real line. And here's a snarky, you're stupid line. And here's a real line. Here's a snarky, you're stupid line. <laughs> and like, and then like the, the little like one-liners, like, he's like, I'm so stressed. I have to slow down. Give me an espresso. Yeah, like that's, espresso, that's like a nineties sitcom <laughs> yes. joke that they would never do now. Yeah. Like that's the kind of joke that they would make fun of now like or not even now like 10 20 years ago like michael scott would make that joke yeah. and then jim would jim the camera <laughs> like that's so far out of the zeitgeist now and it's such like a like a cool little like 
time travel back to the 90s to see a show like this where that wasn't a cliche yet. I, I love yeah, I Jim think the double the, the double espresso <laughs> line or them referring to uh, Niles' never seen wife yeah, Maris yeah. as being the sun except without the warmth. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, is she going to never be seen the whole you show? You never see her the entire I, <laughs> show. I know we just talked about the pilot, but you you never see her. Oh, I, I people are, people are clicking out of their apps left and right. They're they're hitting stop right now. They've got everything they need. I, I love when shows have like a thing they keep referencing, but you never actually see it like that. Yeah, that's a, a truly like a great. Uh, I mean, one of the best running jokes of any sitcom really is just how they can just tear into Maris. Um, but yeah, I I really do, you, do believe like they do so much. They do so well creating this um like just absolutely making the super joke dense and i do miss when shows were like this because i mean we, i felt it with news radio news radio was like it was like ping-ponging back and forth every single moment there was a joke there was uh, if they weren't if they weren't doing something to uh further the plot along they were like they were tearing into each other it was like the best way to it, it was like I, I just really miss the number of jokes per minute in this and, well, I think you had to do that when you when you shot multicam because you have to keep mm-hmm. real people engaged. And when you're when you're shooting these, you know, modern studio or even on location single cam shows, mm-hmm. you you don't have to keep a, a human audience who you're giving money to engaged to to be there. So you can take time to draw things out, shoot without dialogue. But here, you have to keep that going. Uh, all that said, uh, we're here at this coffee shop for a reason, and it's a second exposition Ooh. scene in a row, and we should discuss that. Yeah, and so the Crane brothers' father uh, needs to be living in an assisted situation, right? He fell down. Uh, we come to learn that he was shot in the hip uh, as a police officer, and he's never fully recovered from that. And now he needs to live with someone um, and while Niles brings this fully knowing and prepared to say that he cannot do it, it falls upon Fraser uh, to be doing so. And after, well, yeah, because the-, the show's not called Niles. <laughs> I mean, I wish. Uh, but <laughs> could you imagine if Full they spin-off. did that? If they, if they came, that, <laughs> that would be so funny. If they were like, "Hey, Kelsey, we want you in this spinoff of Cheers." You don't star in it. It's about your brother's <laughs> character. <laughs> Who we've just made up. Just an infinite loop of Cheers spinoffs. Where oh. Fraser Crane is just a character, not the character. But after this big conversation, there was one other like small joke to end the scene that I really loved. Where they were like, Fraser realizes he's now going to be living with his father. Uh, this nightmare after saying he's <clears throat> going for this fresh start. And he's not hungry, but Niles just says... I'll have a large piece of cheesecake. And that is how the scene ends. That's the button and it is perfect. Um, But then we get to meet Martin Crane in the scene titled The Father. Um, And I loved the juxtaposition of having a cop versus two academics, right? Uh, Because at first when you meet the Crane boys, you're like, oh yeah, there's, this is a family of academics. Cheers tried to make it so with the research scientists. And then the writers were like, no, we can't do that. Let's make him a gruff cop. Um, and it was just such a great, like almost that fish out of water sense of like, oh, we have the two boys who are like 
super posh and talking about um, the eclectic decorating, right? Of yes. uh, Fraser's house. And then we just get the chair. Uh, and that chair looks hella great. Like, it has to be plugged in. If a chair has to be plugged in, nine out of ten times, that's a great chair. Uh, and I absolutely agree with Martin of the positioning right in front of the TV. Yeah, I, I love the insane amount of artwork that he has collected in there. Um, I I don't know what Frasier is earning as a radio psychologist, but it is an insane amount. This apartment is gorgeous. And then... I don't think Seattle would have, like, a red spike yet. I think you could still afford to live there as an artist. That's true, that's true. <laughs> or, like, a radio host. <laughs> the, uh, so he told... He tells his dad that his re the refrigerator is stocked with his favorite beer, and he has plenty of hot links and coleslaw. He says while like almost like he, he has su he does such a great delivery of like talking down while being excited about something. Oh, I just wrote the words hot links and coleslaw. <laughs> I love the way he says those words. <laughs> and the Charles Bronson movie for later. Oh my god! Like and it, it's such like a fancy boy approach to, like what do gruff men yeah. like like if you're trying to like impress someone who's a tough guy like, what does he like he likes hot dogs and beer and uh movies where people get into fist fights it's like, like george that. bush buying his ranch he's like yeah I, this is what people in texas want people don't need to know i grew but up in Connecticut. Down, he was a fancy lad who just wanted to paint yeah, yeah he, he just wanted to paint lad. cats he just <laughs> All George Bush wanted to do was paint cats and play baseball. There is nothing greater than that. Let the warmongers paint. Just let them keep painting. <laughs> Louis, uh, did you, like, seeing this relationship ab amongst the crane men, right? Uh, we talked a little bit about that, like, emotional stunt and using that line of hug and a handshake, right? Like, what were some of the other things you thought about when you were seeing this dysfunctionalness arise? You know, I thought this was really funny when the dad shows up, but uh, if I can give a quick note to the Fraser writers, um, <laughs> they're listening. I know they'll take it. Um, we can retcon this show. It, it, uh, you know, honestly, the the chair showing up and like talking about the eclectic art and stuff that was like such a perfect representation of their like odd couple dynamic that we didn't need the whole explaining it beforehand with Niles, how they're not going to get along and he can't be there and stuff. It felt almost like, like they told you, and then they did the show. Don't tell like they had yeah, both yeah, versions yeah. of exposition. <laughs> On the other hand though, I think that was also, that's also like a kind of a sitcom thing where just doing the chair stunt, maybe not everyone would realize what you're doing. So you kind of yeah. tell them anyway, because like, oh, well, it's a sitcom. They might not be thinking that deeply about it. Yeah, that's uh, super true. Like, you want you want the broadest audience possible. You want people that maybe aren't even paying attention. They needed to, <laughs> so it's, they needed to do something that would explain why the dad had to go with Frasier and not Niles, I think they uh yeah, i think the true. the back and forth there about like the different types of like nursing homes or like retirement communities and stuff like that which painted like an extremely bleak picture bleak picture of like where their dad would end up um i mean it's definitely it's so it's so funny that they did it twice there's just like it's, it seemed a little bit like padding uh padding the script a little bit of just like we need to have one more minute in here for it to be an nbc sitcom yeah well they also probably I think there was like a thing during that era where you had to have like a certain amount of jokes per page. Mm -hmm. And so they probably, it was more like 
in the coffee shop scene, we need more jokes. So we need another thing for them to talk about yeah. so that we can put more jokes <laughs> yes. in. And, and uh, so, it, referring to the, uh, to the James Burroughs book and, uh, and, you know, some of the interviews he's done, a lot of the energy that he is famous for cultivating in the, like the studio audience kind of thing is, and, and you can see it later in the show when there's like a dramatic moment of just like, we want people in the, in the crowd at the edge, at the edge of their seats. And they will actually like, uh, he, he was famous for like cutting scenes early. If he could tell that a actor was going to flub a joke because you only get one shot at that joke. And otherwise they would have to go back to the writing room for it. So um, yeah. it, definitely like, when you get the ping-ponging joke thing, it, it's him trying to build up all that energy, and I think he does a great job right there. And speaking of building up, like, energy, um, one of the things, I love the use of Eddie, right? We don't know what Eddie is. We just get this idea of, well, Eddie's going to be living here, too. Um, and then we just get a scene titled Eddie, and we have... <laughs> A Jack Russell Terrier staring at Kelsey Grammer. Was fully expecting, like, an old army buddy or something <laughs> right. like that. But, like, I... Eddie is the best boy. No notes. Eddie was played by a dog <laughs> named Moose. Uh, and Moose played the role of Eddie for a few seasons. So, no notes. Great scene. Great dog. Uh, <laughs> Both fantastic names. Moose, fantastic dog name. Eddie, fantastic dog name. Dog's name for people, always delightful. Yeah. <laughs> or food. Or food. Any any name your name your dog after food or someone that could be like a retired cop. Uh but very nice. <laughs> uh the only thing I would say, the only note that I would have is that you cannot have the dynamic between Fraser and Eddie right now, because who the hell doesn't love the dog like that? I feel like Fraser is the only person who love who doesn't love the dog. The rapturous applause that that fucking dog got <laughs> for just staring at Kelsey Grammer. The crowd is losing their minds in that first intro to Eddie. We're a lot. I think that makes then. sense, though. That makes sense that Frazier would not like a dog because that's like, I mean, it's a little bit like uh, psychopathic serial killer <laughs> behavior, but it's also like that pretentious, obnoxious, yeah. like, oh, I don't want a dirty animal in my apartment, whatever. Like, it kind of makes sense that he would not like a dog. Also, it makes him like a little bit of the villain right yeah. now, where you're like, what's wrong with you, yeah. Frazier? Which gives him a chance for emotional growth and art. And the dog the got the most applause, which just pissed off Kelsey Grammer. That's yeah, all real. 100%. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> so after this quick little scene, we go back to the cafe, right? Um, and basically, there's one great joke in this about Fraser just missing all of his engagements that he had. Uh, he had to miss the theater, then the symphony, and then he gives Niles the opera tickets, right? Like, that was <coughs> very clever. But we come to the agreement that, like, hey... It's too much for Fraser to be just doing this on his own. Niles has agreed to pay for part of, and that was a very key phrase of, I will pay for part of a home care specialist, not a full home care specialist. <laughs> yeah, I don't, they're living in like in, in a renaissance period in their own brains. They're just like, we're going to the orchestra, we're going to the opera, we're going to the museum. That like I like that they do that, though, because it does sort of make it a little bit timeless right because mm -hmm. like if you said that in the 90s cool you're high society 
If you say that in today, cool, you're probably high society still. If you said that in the 30s, cool, you're definitely yeah. high society. <laughs> yeah, that, that feeling doesn't change. Max, um, what, what were your thoughts? I mean, if they're going to the symphony in the early 90s in Seattle, it's obviously the grudge symphony, a very short-lived phenomenon. Um, I also appreciate sitcoms that have characters explicitly say that a week of time has passed. Uh, <laughs> Frasier's pilot is a masterclass in exposition. They let you know everything you need to know about the time and place in which we are. So after this scene, we go directly to a scene. We're back at Frasier's apartment. It's called the, the scene is called home care specialist. And we meet one of our other staples of this show, Daphne moon. Uh, Daphne is coming to us from Manchester, England. Um, and very much like I just have written on this, that Daphne is Mary Poppins gone wrong. Um, <laughs> like, and very much like she's partially psychic. Uh, she's very open with like what she says and whom she says it to. Yeah. Uh, she is in a show of two men that want to be British. She is the only British person on this show. Uh, like it's very, it's definitely something that I thought was a nice change of pace and a very already great pilot. Yeah. Ma Mary Poppins by way of Benny Hill is a pretty apt way to describe Daphne Moon. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, I love that. but as we go through, we sort of get this idea of Frasier thinking Daphne's not a good fit because she's a bit of a loon. Um, but then, you know, Martin Crane being like, this is the woman that I want. This is the person that I want taking care of me. Uh, you'll have to give up your study to do this. And we get something super interesting, right? Because in this show, it's been a lot of jokes, 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 jokes per page, jokes per page. Mm -hmm. But at this moment in time, we have John Mahoney and Kelsey Grammer just act and have there's no laugh track behind them it is just two men having a disagreement um and it's the most believable father-son moment i feel like of this entire pilot as a whole yeah john mahoney goes full uh tony winner steppenwolf theater alum yep. here and we get some really lovely <clears throat> i guess background into his character too <clears throat> understanding that it's not just Frazier, who's made sacrifices, hearing him talk about being uh, shot in the hip uh, two years ago and like the, the turn his life has taken about how he expected his retirement years to go and how he's suffered. I think there's some real humanity here. Uh, Kelsey Garber actually has a really uh, lovely line where he just says, uh, all he wants is a thank you for upending his life. One lousy thank you. And that pause we talk about needing like joke per moment, joke per moment to keep the audience on their toes and all the air gets sucked out there. Mm -hmm. And so when they do finally hit that pause, it's so effective in how they break up the pacing there. And you, you want to hear it. I, I was, I was sitting there like, I want, I want to hear the thank you. I want to hear that moment. And instead you get Martin telling Eddie it's time for dinner. And yeah, it, it, it breaks you a little bit and i think the show gets to that moment by being you know 15 pages of fancy lads first and that allows them to get to this emotional core when they finally need to 
it's extremely it's it's a a deeply relevant conversation and uh and just kind of universal for everyone really it's like you know uh older person didn't think that their retirement would play out like this younger younger uh or i'm sorry their um child basically coming to terms with the fact that they're going to have to uh, like interrupt their life to take care of their their parent the same way that they did when when they were young and I don't know. It's something ev- almost every single person has to deal with. And it, it, I thought it was like a great moment of not joking around the conflict, but kind of diving into it. It kind of speaks volumes to the, the level of actual, actual like acting chops that each pe- each person has. It really felt like I was watching a play in this particular moment. So after this scene, obvious commercial break moment, um, we go to a scene titled Lupe Velez. Um, <laughs> and I had no idea what this was going to be. <laughs> I, I loved this scene so much. I thought it did a great job of setting the tone of like having that true. We, we talk about how in sitcoms um, you have to have that moment where like we see the true intentions of a character we get to learn a little bit more about that human being uh in a moment that's not funny right and this was that scene of learning through Roz's allegory of like hey here's lupe velez uh actress who died basically because she had a very poor choice in final meal uh when she was set to kill herself but she stayed famous right like people know who lupe velez is and whenever you hear that name You'll know. Um, and as we get this story and Fraser internalizing it, we get a call from just a person named Martin who's looking for advice on how to settle a disagreement with his son. Um, the way they played this out, obviously there were some comedic tones, but like as you heard this and as you heard this interaction of not being able to settle conflict directly, not being able to have emotional um, abilities as crane boys. Like, Louis, I'm going to you. Like, what was <laughs> what was the mindset? What was the what were you feeling when you were watching that? You know, I I always like um, how this sort of structure for a sitcom. Oftentimes, it's almost like it's a mini movie, mm. and so it all builds up towards this like emotional catharsis. And so in act three, they have the big argument and then the next scene they have to make up. And it was, uh, I think it was really nice. It it was a really great way to sort of showcase that this is going to be a component of the show moving forward. There's going to be these emotional connections and it's not always going to be snarky quip after snarky quip. Um, And like they, they have trouble showing that they love each other which they'll have to learn how to do that over the course of the next, hopefully, 10 to 20 seasons. (laughs) But for right now, it's very clear that, oh, they do care about each other and they want to try and make this work. And so it was a really nice representation of that. Uh, I always like that sitcom pilots will oftentimes have Act 3 be very emotional Mm -hmm. to sort of signal that, like, this show is not just comedy. Yeah, It's going to also have the emotional It's going to have situations, too. 
John Mahoney yeah. has a very, what I can only refer to as black box theatrical line in this call too, where he's discussing having uh, an appreciation for his son, but he has trouble saying it. He just goes, fathers and sons, you know, <laughs> which is such like a, I don't know. Local <laughs> theater. Yeah, we, like, that, yeah, that could have been a he's line. Holding, he's holding a hat in his hands. It, it feels, that feels like it should be like Willie Loman speaking out into like nothingness yes the yeah. death of a salesman for sure <laughs> just like slowly walking across the stage alone fathers and sons fathers and sons you know blackout oh yeah. my god for, for those it's, listening it's the first line out it's the first line of the play it's it's the end of act one it's the final line of the play yeah. and it, the it play would have to be called... it would have to be an act one as like a joke it would be the opening like fathers and sons am i right and then at the very end it's Fathers and sons, <laughs> with one tear, and it, it was just another great opportunity to have two actors just act uh, across from each other, or in this case, over radio, uh, to resolve their issue. Um, Fraser gets his thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I will make a note. There is um, so one of the really cool things that I love about this show is how they had guest stars uh, call in to the show. Right yeah. as uh, the people who were on it, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in Legacy. But there was a specific celebrity that called in as Claire in this episode, uh, and that was played by Sarah Connor herself, Linda Hamilton from Terminator. Ooh, oh no way! Yeah, so she was Claire in this episode, and I thought that was a really nice little touch, especially because I think if you heard her talk about. Uh, their issue it had something to do with the terminator which was just like <laughs> wonderful like a plus writing like you get the award um we do get one final blackout scene um and that is just the fraser's apartment with his new roommates right we have daphne we have martin and we have eddie and they're watching tv together as eddie stares at fraser and that is how we end this pilot um were there any things that y'all loved about this pilot that we did not discuss? I am so relieved that we got to hear the iconic theme song in that outro. Cause I swear to God, if I didn't hear the blues of Colin <laughs> in this pilot, I was going to come on here guns blazing. You don't know how hot I was going to be on today's recording. If I didn't hear that goddamn song. What, also like uh, what, what a sheer amount of confidence to record a jazz version of your own theme song as the lead actor. That's like, that's, that takes some balls. That's it's just smart. Lot. It's a business move. Yeah, it is. He did that. So he get the royalties. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more effective than Molly Ringwald singing their own theme song on Secret yeah. Life of the American Teenager. It sure was. That was actually, that was like a common thing for, uh, I don't know if they do it anymore, but 90s sitcoms, like the uh, the Friends people like wrote the words for the song so that they would be credited as, as writers. Wait, and they wrote it the for the royalties. I just want. They, I, they like collaborated. Whoa. I don't know. I want a version of Jerry Seinfeld of the Seinfeld opening where it's just Jerry Seinfeld doing the opening with his own mouth where it's just like bow 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 bow, bow. airplane food am I right like bow bow, bow. yeah Jerry Seinfeld actually it would have to be him. like in the it would have to be in like the Seinfeld voice though like bomb 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 oh my god. Uh, 
other... Just really quick, though, an, ac- an actual thing that I like that, that, was a, that was not a rage spiral thing is in the home care specialist, I think they did a really good job jumping into the middle of that scene where the first person we meet is Daphne and they just say that Martin's rejected everyone so far. Mm-hmm. I think that if this were filmed today, this would have been montage just a, like, it would have been a montage, like, revolving door of, here's all of the wacky people, and it would just be, like, every single person from Harold Knight at UCB getting, like, <laughs> one or two lines as a wacky healthcare assistant. <laughs> Guys, oh, no. get in here. <laughs> Rich, what about- Yeah, everybody get in here. <laughs> Rich, what about you? Any things that you loved about this? I mean, look, I I do, I absolutely love this show. You can, understanding what we know now about, uh, about Jimmy Burrow's pilots, you can feel it in the energy in the room. You can feel it in the amount of, in the joke timing in the same way that you could, I'm sure if you know jazz really well, you could probably point out individual jazz musicians as composers or, uh, or, or you know, musicians on a track like easily through their own cadence and and tone. You could see that this is a Jimmy uh, Jimmy Burroughs pilot immediately. Um, not only does it make me want to watch more, but it got, honestly makes me want to watch Cheers just to see like where this character came from and how they interacted in a Boston dive bar. How are your thoughts on Wings? Uh, I have I love them. Uh, normally, I, I like them like kind of like a little some smoked maybe. Have you ever had it with like the Alabama white sauce? With That's the dry good. like with dry rub, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. Absolutely, Louis. What about you? It's a dry comedy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know I liked. Um, uh, I noticed this thing with pacing on TV shows now, where so like there was like the speed of pacing when this show came out and then now there's kind of these two speeds of like either super super fast we know every single character every single situation everything that's going to happen by the time the first credits roll Mm -hmm. or it's a slow burn where it takes the whole season for anything to happen Mm -hmm. it's like only those like super fast super slow speeds whereas old shows used to be more of this like medium speed where we got a lot of exposition up front but we also didn't even meet daphne until like act three And, like, the whole idea of Frazier's going to be a fish out of water in his own apartment doesn't even come to fruition until the very end of the show. I feel like if this was made now, like, the, the note would be, oh, you need to get Daphne and the dad there in the cold open, like, immediately. Yeah. Um, I also find it very refreshing um, to watch a show like this where, so, because I've, like, submitted scripts to a bunch of things... The notes that you always get are things like this character needs more backstory. This character needs more this. This needs to happen faster or the structure, this, that. And to see a show where it's like, oh, no, we don't need all of Roz's backstory (laughs) yet. There's going to be 10 seasons to develop that. We don't need to know every single detail yet. Yeah. It's Louis, fine. Can I just say how much I appreciated you describing the pacing of sitcoms like an early 90s stand-up comic. Like, sitcoms used to be like this. <laughs> now sitcoms Guys, be like this. what is the deal with sitcoms? And that's what he has the blue screen for. We're going to put a brick background for him. <laughs> who are these people who want all that exposition? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. I completely agree, Louis. I think that there, it, the way that this felt was that they wrote episode two and then they were like, okay, how the hell do we like, how the hell do we figure out like, what is the dynamic we already want from all these people? 
how do we how do we introduce them how do we make it like slight a slight conflict but like we already really know what we want for like the entire run of the show so as far as something i talked about this already i thought the chemistry that all of these characters had the relationships the just like we had a bunch of really great actors all in this pilot like going at it and absolutely serving what their role was like they weren't trying to do too much there could have been a version of Roz that was way over the top and unnecessary there could have been a more muted version of Daphne Moon that was just like okay cool like not going to be a major character but someone that we'll see from time to time Uh, there could have been an even gruffer version of Martin Crane but every like the the chemistry that was in each scene was fantastic (coughs) You have to think that that was partially due to the directing of someone who was a pro at directing uh, pilots. But you also have to think that there was this was just so meticulously put together that it worked in every shape and form. And just a last <coughs> thought from me on, on that on my end. I'm looking at the cast list right now. And to your credit, Jeff, there are 10 credited performances in this Frasier pilot. Three of them are, or two of them are voiceovers. One of them is a dog. <laughs> one of them is the coffee shop waitress. And one of them is the delivery man who brings the chair. Mm-hmm. That leaves us with five actual, like, meaty human performances in this. This is such a tight cast for a pilot. Yeah. There is no room to wander or meander. This is maybe the smallest ensemble we've done for a TV pilot. And I think that is why it feels so lived in and established and lean because you don't have a a choice. There's nowhere to hide when you have five main performers for 30 minutes. You have to do all that up front because there's nowhere else for them to go. There's no real room for B and C storylines and them going off in different directions. And that's confident too to really have like a five person ensemble to kick off your show. And what that's also oh, like ahead, uh, that that's also kind of like what I was talking about before that it's like a time capsule of that era of TV because I think that uh um as time's gone on and this might be because of things like streaming and and uh DVRing and all of that People are kind of keeping track of things more. So they want a broader world. They want more continuity. They want a whole universe of characters. And so it's like the trend has sort of shifted away from here's just four characters doing a thing every week in a coffee shop into here's a thousand characters and any of them can show up at (laughs) any point. Uh, I think that's that's also kind of uh, it's funny that uh, you mentioned earlier about him having a different backstory from Cheers or there was some different continuity that they just got Mm -hmm. rid of it. Um, that's kind of the same thing where if it was made now, they would have kept that on like a note card on the wall in the writer's room and it would have come back at some point versus in this era, they're just like, no, just get rid of it. It would end up on a, on a fandom wiki or something like that. Well, how come Martin's real job change from research analyst to, to being a Seattle police cop? (laughs) I sure hope someone got fired for that blunder. (laughs) There was a, there was a Reddit thread. (laughs) Um, so we talked about things that we loved. Any things that were wait a minute moments for you in this pilot? 
when Niles wipes down that chair with a sanitation napkin in the coffee shop, what does he know? Yeah, he predicted the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> a- a- anything else? Does that mean Frasier was patient zero? Oh, of... great. Oh, my God. Whoa. What if Frasier caused COVID? <laughs> Spin-off series. Louis furiously <laughs> scribbling notes right now. He's about to hop off the call. He's yeah. got to go right. <laughs> Rich, uh, Louis, any uh, wait a minute moments for you? Um, can you define a wait a minute moment? <laughs> Something that stood out as, eh, maybe this was odd, or maybe this didn't uh, age that well. Um, I Not really. Uh, it just, it felt... It didn't feel like it didn't age well. It just felt like it was aged. Mm. Like this would be a whole different thing if it happened now. Like this is like a style of sitcom that I think they rarely do now. And when they do, it's it almost like it almost feels like it's uh, just to fill a time slot <laughs> now. Like the this feels like a last resort show mm. style of show for current TV. Yeah. Where they'd be like, well, we couldn't find this season's Parks and Rec. So I guess we'll greenlight this very standard, structured, like almost to a stencil type of TV show. Rich, anything from you? Oh, that's such a great point, Louis. Um, I think the only thing that was a wait a minute moment for me was uh, Martin admitting that Eddie has worms and is actively not doing anything to get rid of them. (laughs) (laughs) Just just treat Eddie better, man. Damn. Well, yeah, because his nickname for Eddie is Eddie Spaghetti. Yeah, that which was is one just of the grossest, like that's, that was one of the grossest that's, jokes that's I've ever heard. <laughs> um, I will just say, like, a wait a minute moment for me is the idea of, like, I think these still exist, but having a radio psychiatrist is just wild, uh, right? <laughs> Get on a Zoom call like an adult. And uh, hopefully, if you have insurance, you can be able to have a good therapy session with someone. Uh, this please. is still before BetterHelp, so people couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if if it was made now, they would uh, it would be seen as like insensitive because he's like an incompetent therapist in the beginning. They, I, I feel like now the sort of like the the culture has shifted where they're like, oh no, we don't want to reflect poorly on that. We want to be positive about it. They would make him more competent, I think. I don't know, man. We let Adam Carolla host Loveline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Is that still happening? Isn't that like 20 years ago? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I, that's another thing. It's just like, I feel like the call-in advice shows were were important. I feel like they just added the therapist part so they could like justify him having more money. Like call in call in advice, like you don't need to be a therapist for that. That's like that's something that's not necessarily necessary. And I think uh I mean like there's podcasts right now that have like a similar feeling like uh, uh where do we begin with Esther Perel is like a very popular one. Uh and it basically it's it's an an anonymous therapy session that's fully recorded which it and it's and it's like it's very it's it's all consensual and everything like that but it is very much like whoa it feels weird that i'm like listening to this and as a disclaimer if you send us personal questions or you leave us a voicemail seeking help we'll yeah we'll do it online (laughs) yeah we will we'll 100 do it live on pay-per-view 
you sent it in. So we will be doing it live streaming on Twitch and YouTube. Um, so. I think I would I would like to see a version of Frasier where he's doing the call-in advice, but as part of a morning zoo radio show. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, all right, now we got Frasier coming up with some help, self-help. <laughs> Someone's just doing like, bang, sounds. <laughs> what? <laughs> What do I do? Yeah, yeah, toss salad. Yeah, toss salad. Yeah, 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 toss salad. Yeah, you really scrambled her eggs, you know what I mean? (laughs) Well, um, before we get to our in-flight question, um, Daddy of the Week this week. Oh, my God. I'm going to. (laughs) It's It's never going to die. It's Eddie. It's Eddie. Eddie's the Daddy of the Week. I don't know. It's a dog Uh, now. I I don't know if we can do that because it's a dog. Uh, But I'm going to actually say Roz is our daddy of the week, bringing poignant thoughts, being competent, at least in our appearance to her job, and uh, being a general girl boss. So, Oh, you mean daddy, like, is like the paternal, like, giving directions of the show, not in like the Twitter, like, zaddy. It's it's kind of both. I misunderstood this segment. I think I misunderstood the segment. Yeah, but, Jeff, Jeff just Ross, keeps adding this in as a as, uh, as a this segment. Is, this is not this on solely for me. Not this on our run of show at all. Wow. Hello, God. Daddy. Uh, Hello. This is becoming a morning so, zoo segment right now. <laughs> in flight. Whoa! Question. It's the Daddy of the week. <laughs> in flight Heart question. Um, we get in-flight questions submitted to us uh, before the podcast is recorded. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the next episode that we're going to be filming and the questions we'll be looking for. But uh, we got a question about why do we think uh, Fraser and Niles were named that by a police officer? Um, and I'd like to ask you, what do you think would be better names? Uh, for Frazier and Niles, considering their dad was a police officer. Um, Max, I'm going to go with you. It just feels like this, these were names that had they remembered that they were like retconning the dad, they would have like completely changed their names. No, uh, their, their name for his favorite actor, Charles and Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> they're somehow, uh, I'm, I'm going with they're somehow both juniors. Like they're both Martin Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Louis, what about you? I was, I was going to say the same yeah, thing about the both being junior. <laughs> um, I don't know what what's like a. It would be like a famous cop name. Like he would name one like Dirty Harry, and the other one, uh, I don't know who's another famous cop. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking of like I don't know like if, Rambo or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, the Cranes are irish catholic but i'm just thinking of irish catholic names of like naming them like sean and connor uh so like 100 percent could see that being uh the way that we go or like that being said though oh sorry go ahead i I was gonna say we could just go full irish and we could have like Aoife and Sersha and like go, go fully into it. Louie, I love that it's not just Harry or Harold, it's specifically Dirty Harry. <laughs> yeah, you know, the name of the character, the, Dirty Harry. On the other hand, though, I feel like you could also do one of those uh, like backwards explanation things where they uh, come up with a reason afterwards and be like, well, it's because even though he's a simple cop, up here, he's much more complicated. So he gave <laughs> them these very uh, he wanted to be the high society names. 
Exactly. Okay, I like that. Well, and you can expand the character. Well, thank you for that in-flight question. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about next week's episode and where to look for submitting those. Um, but before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the legacy of this show. Um, so this show lasted for 11 seasons and 264 episodes. Um, so go and get that syndication money. Yeah, baby. Uh, one of the really cool things about the show, we talked about it with Linda Hamilton, but some, there were a ton of guest callers for each episode. A lot of them were major celebrities who were trying to promote something that was coming up. Uh, I picked out a few names just to mention, so you can try to go and find the episodes that they're on, but Ben Stiller, Mel Brooks, Art Garfunkel, Mary Tyler Moore, Helen Mirren, uh, Reba McIntyre and Jodie Foster are just a couple of the notable ones that I saw. Um, the ratings for the show are very interesting. So the first season of the show debuted with an average of 26.8 million viewers Jeez. per episode. Yes, that is the highest number that we have done so far. Whoa. Uh, and in... And here's the wild God. part. In 1993, that only got you to number seven. Um, what? <laughs> How many people live in America? <laughs> Somehow more than and, 27, 27 million. So the ratings fell off from season one through season five. But then in <clears throat> season six in 1998, it got all the way up to number three. Then season six or season seven was number six, and then it fell back down again to around like twelve million. But still, like twenty six point eight million people were watching every single episode of that first season on average. That's bonkers. Uh, was that season when it peaked? Was that when they got the love interest together? Oh, I don't know. That's a really solid question, but. Um, yeah, I, I would need to do more research, but we only care about the pilot, so who cares? <laughs> uh, so, um, when it comes to awards, this show is de on an entirely different level. Uh, 318 nominations, 112 Jesus. wins. That includes 37 Emmy Award wins, two Golden Globes, two SAG Awards, five TCA Awards, six Writer Guild, Writers Guilds Awards, and two Directors Guild Awards. Damn. Uh, oh, but no no Kids' Choice. We can't, we can't Cradle to Grave. <laughs> yeah, no, no Kids' Choice. There was no Cradle to Grave, unfortunately. <laughs> um, David Hyde Pierce and Kelsey Grammer were responsible for eight of those Emmy Award wins. They both won four wow. of them. And Kelsey Grammer was solely responsible for the two Golden Globe wins for the show. Uh, there is actually a book called Cafe Nervosa, which is claimed to be authored by the Crane Brothers, uh, that was published while the show was in production. That they has did an in-universe the... book? Yes, they did. That has all of the recipes that they did. Uh, so you can try to find that. You can f currently find the show streaming on Amazon, Hulu, Peacock, and Roku. Uh, but if you are a fan of hard media... Uh, you can, um, well, one, Rich, get your mind out of the gutter. Nothing hard uh, needs to be that. I love that you called you me. Oh, find... you couldn't get it out, bud. <laughs> but you can find uh, this show on DVD and Blu-ray. It went out of syndication in 2013. Oh. Um, yeah, which is wild. So it it went into syndication for from 2004 through 13. Now all of those rights belong to the streaming 
uh, facilities. Oh. Uh, Max, I think you have one other piece of legacy that I feel like we have to mention. Yeah, I, I mean, Frasier, I'll, I'll say this with um, all respect. Unfortunately, co-creator David Engel was uh, tragically killed in the attacks on September 11th when him and his wife were in one of the American Airlines flights that struck the World Trade Center. He was 55 at that time. And I, I don't think I put this together when I mentioned in the show's creation, him selling the script for Archie Bunker's place in 1977. He was 21 mm. when that happened. Wow. And it's not inconceivable to think that he didn't have so much more left to give the comedy world. Uh, Peter Casey, Frazier's really his last project. David Lee goes on to have an illustrious career as a Broadway producer and Broadway uh, book writer. Um, uh, he actually did a revival of South Pacific starring Reba McIntyre. I didn't think that she was going to come up twice in this <laughs> podcast, but here we are. Um, yeah, this is just a case where a, a brilliant talent was taken from us much too soon. And who knows what the 2000s would have looked like had David Engel still been there to bring us more laughter, bring us more writing. Um, and unfortunately, him not being able to see Frasier out to its full conclusion. Yeah. Um, well, Max, thank you for that bit of legacy yeah. and that tribute as well. Um, well, we are all done with the current legacy of Frasier. And the reason why I say current is that this show is being rebooted. Uh, and and <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with that reboot. Um, well, Wait, so if they reboot it, who do you guys think are going to be the call-in cameos? And what do you think they'll uh, oh, talk about? Me. I am the call-in cameo. <laughs> Let call. me call in. Uh, Mr. Beast. Uh, <laughs> Charlie D'Amelio. <laughs> Ludwig. Um, I, I don't know who are. Joe Rogan. Joe yeah, Rogan's Joe calling Rogan, 100%. Hondo P. I think it would be really funny if the first, if the pilot of the reboot had Linda Hamilton call in and she was like, man, it feels like I'm having the same <laughs> issue over and over again every couple of years. That'd be uh, that show will be on Paramount Plus in what uh, looks like just described as mid-2023. So we're approaching mid. Wow. <laughs> All right. Speaking oh, of, oh no! Speaking of approaching mid, it's time for Rich's game of the week. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> there we go. Rich, what is your game of the week? Uh, so I'm going to do a little lightning round. I know we're we're running out of time here, um, but I wanted to see if you guys can do spot the fake. Uh, each one of you are getting your own separate question. No help from anyone else. Uh, and it's all and it's all Fraser related in the sense that these are things that Fraser would know. All right, so, uh, <laughs> Louie, I'm going to start with you, and I'm going to start with oh, wine God. varietals. I'm going to give you four wine varietals. One of them is fake, and you have to spot which one. Uh, Morverde, Petit Mernin, Dolcetto, and Sangiovese. Uh, yeah, these, yeah, I'm no help. They're so going to pop the, <laughs> the, the second one. You're correct, Petit Mernin. <laughs> Uh, Max, painting styles. Well, that was obviously question one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, painting styles. Uh, fauvism, mannerism, radial, and acoustic. And now, if you aren't on the YouTube, I highly recommend jumping on because Max just looked like he had a small stroke. <laughs> uh, 
Well, uh, mannerisms are things that people have, so I'm going to say mannerisms. <laughs> it is radial. That is the that is the non-real <laughs> painting style. And uh, damn it, <laughs> this is Max. This is like one of the first ones that you haven't gotten right, which is super impressive. Uh, all right, and the last extremely let me just, let, let me just get it wrong. Let's <laughs> let, let's just move on. <laughs> uh, the the last Fraser uh, centric uh, uh, round would be types of chairs. Seems like he knows a lot of types of chairs. Uh, so, Jeff, which of these chairs is fake? Trapwood, 45, Chesterfield, and Adirondack. Adirondack. Uh, that is real. The fake one was Trapwood. Thank you so much, everybody. <laughs> Adirondack was the only one I was like, yeah, that that is chair. Max in his time in, in New England has sat in a plenty of Adirondack-style chairs. Oh, my God. Well, Rich, thank you so much for your game of the week. Uh, <laughs> before we sign off and before we land this plane, um, I have two questions for each of you gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, one, do you think this show should be made today is the question uh, because of the reboot and Kelsey, I am so sorry we are asking this question. And then two, would you continue watching this version of the show that we just watched the pilot for? Louis, as our guest, I'm kicking it off to you. Um, I, I like the idea of it being uh, rebooted. Um, if they adapt it to what today would be. Mm-hmm. So like instead of call-in show make it like a podcast or something. Uh, I think that could be a lot of fun. And I don't remember the rest of the show well enough, but I'm sure there's enough of like the dated nineties things that they can now update yeah. in a really great way. Um, And I, it's hard to, it's hard to judge if I would keep watching it unbiased. Cause I know that it's like a really great legendary show. So of course I want to keep watching it uh, based on this, based on the pilot. I would put it in the category of shows where I'm gonna I'm I will watch it to the end of the season Mm -hmm. and then decide. Like I feel like with pilot episodes of shows, sometimes it's like a hard no. Sometimes it's like I'll give it a couple episodes, and then sometimes it's like oh I'll give it the full season, and if it has picked up, then I'll watch the whole thing. If it hasn't, then I'm done. Yeah, that's why we do. And especially with a show like this, where I feel like a show like this the season finale is probably going to have some like huge uh, finale that wraps you in for the rest of the show. Yeah. Cause they always, they always with sitcoms like this, they'll make the first episode like a little mini movie, but then they'll also set up what the big arc is for the season. Yeah. And so there's probably like, I don't, I don't remember who pairs up with who, but there's probably like Frasier and, one of the two girl characters has like a thing at the end of the season. And there's probably like a thing where, Oh, the dad might move out at the end of the season or something like that. There's probably like some big, like uh, emotional payoff. Eddie started a tech company and now is worth a hundred million (laughs) dollars. Eddie has an Instagram. It's taking off. (laughs) That would be great for the new, uh, for the reboot would be like he's a dog influencer and the the dad is like TikTok famous with the dog Eddie's and Frazier is jealous of it. Oh my god! I I have terrible news about Moose. Guys. Oh no, no! Don't <laughs> don't you Moose is on a farm. Twenty seven. <laughs> All right, Max. What about you? 
Uh, so in terms of Frasier as a whole, yeah, why, why not? These characters are so lived in. Uh, it's so sharp. I have no problem with being made today. Kelsey Grammer loves money. We should give it to him. <laughs> in terms of could this pilot be made today, I just want to hit on this really quick. I don't think that this pilot that we watched could be made in 2023. I think this style of vignette comedy is so like out of the norm of what we see today. And it's it's interesting because they're, they're vignettes, but it's also one narrative plot. Like they didn't have to be vignettes whatsoever. The title cards really just made our job easier, but they're not necessary <laughs> for the grand scheme My of notes show. are so organized. <laughs> yeah, this is the most organized show outline we've ever had. So thank you to the Frasier writers for that. <laughs> uh, would I keep watching this? I want to say yes, because I think that the writing is so sharp. But then I remember that it's 264 episodes and I get tired just thinking about yeah. that. Um, um, Rich, you know what? Hold, hold on. Oh, I, I kind of disagree with you about the vignettes thing because it's like a very standard sitcom structure. And so the vignettes thing is enough of a hook that people will be like, whoa, that's different. Mm. But it's not actually different, mm. so everyone can still watch it. I think that would like definitely get greenlit today where people would be like, oh, hell yeah. Like This is going to trick people into thinking it's a new spin on the structure, but it's actually the same structure everybody already knows. That's perfect. We know it'll work. And we tricked them into watching. That's it. very true. Also, there was just a there was just a show that was really popular that did vignettes like that. Um, the one with uh, not Chet Hanks, but <laughs> not Chet Hanks <laughs> with Colin Hanks. <laughs> Colin Hanks. Uh, it was, and it was broken oh. up into each episode was vignettes about like the different sects of the family or something like that. Mm. Colin um, Hanks, who much like the pilot episode of Frasier is the good son. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Wow. He's really tied it all back. Um, that is Just also a, like a stray bullet. <laughs> it's also um, super uh, it's like you see it in increasingly popular in like a 24 properties of like naming vignettes or like having trying, trying to do some like something artistic to like label a section. I know this is not necessarily like the only part, uh, the only incredible part of this movie, but everything everywhere all at once was broken up like that. Um, if anyone started the beef, uh, they do like an artistic uh, portrayal of the name of the episode at the very beginning of it and everything. Um, you know, I, I think it does break it up. It, I think it, it does lend to a lot of intrigue. So Rich, um, what are what are your thoughts? Do you think uh, this show should be remade or rebooted today? And would you continue watching it? Uh, rebooted, no. Uh, strictly for the fact that it's kind of depressing to me that Fraser Crane would still have to have a job, because um, <laughs> now now he's probably like eclipsing his seventies, and I'm like, uh, I don't want to think about how much I'll have to work when I'm seventy. Um, and for <laughs> Would I keep watching? Absolutely. This is like the pinnacle of like six show for me, where if I'm going to just be in bed with a cold for three or four days, I am just letting these babies run. I, I know I don't have to pay attention to uh, to a lot of like serial storyline development or anything like that, because they did make this for syndication. A lot of these are episodic. You can have you can like really uh, knock a lot of stuff out without having to pay attention. You can honestly like throw a lot of these episodes on random well rich thanks for that um as far as myself what i will say is for the reboot 
I have what I hope it may become. I really <laughs> hope that they're talking about actual Seattle and how Niles has now had to move in also with uh, Frazier because <laughs> prices of Seattle real estate are out the wazoo. Um, and he now lives in the study because... Um, there is a relationship that develops on the show that I will not speak to. Um, but yeah, I, I'll definitely watch the reboot when it comes out eventually. As far as this, um, rewatching this show, I've already done it. I've watched every single episode of this show already once. Uh, Max, I know there, there's Max so many, the eyes. there's so many, there's so many, but it's, it's really great. It's an easy watch and it's just really good writing as a whole. They and really burn you know by what? without commercials. Yeah, uh, and I'm not one to not support a fellow Pinecrest Panther, so <laughs> you go, Kelsey Grammer. Uh, you go and you thrive. Uh, with that being said, before we land this plane, I want to make sure we shouted out what we'll be doing for next week's episode, which is Pretty Little Liars. Uh, so if you have a secret that you'd like us to answer, uh, please shoot us a DM, um, or we'll be looking out for questions, uh, later in the week. So be aware of our Instagram, our TikTok, uh, and you can also leave us a voicemail. And just Rich. so people, just so people can watch, uh, it is on HBO Max or now, uh, stealing the name of our co-host, Just Max. Uh, and it's also available on Hulu if you want to watch it beforehand. Perfect. Well, uh, our plane has come to a land. Mac, or excuse me, Louis. Uh, one, thank you so much for being on yeah, the thanks, podcast man. today. Thank you for having me. And where can people find you? Oh, um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> on like social media? Yeah, no, give people Louis your home Wallace. address. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dox yourself. Yeah, go to the go to social media, and I uh, I made like a link tree with uh, a bunch of things that you can. Did get. I just I see know. you tweet right before we started that you just wrote a musical? Oh yeah, I started writing a musical this morning, uh, and it's uh, you know <laughs> casual. I, I don't know. Should I? Should I? Should I spoil it and tell tell you what it's about? Yeah, we'll we'll get David um, Lee from Fraser Fame to produce it. Yeah. That's what he's doing <laughs> yeah. these days. It's uh, it's called the Magical Nepo Fairy, and it's like the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> except he turns him into a Nepo baby. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I uh, I might need to be there. Um, <laughs> you can also find Louis at L O U I E A R O N O W I T Z. Um, <laughs> Max, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on the couch watching Moose the Dog starring in the 2000 comedy My Dog Skip alongside Frankie Muniz. You can find me on all things social media at Maxwell Singh, as well as original sketch comedy from myself and Rich over on TikTok at Dadwagon Comedy. And wow, Rich, what, what about an, you? What an IMDb page on that dog. Uh, you can find me on the rail for the Seattle Symphony. Uh, and you can also find me on <laughs> uh, first to arrive, last to leave, baby. Uh, and you can also find me on Instagram at Dan That's Rich. 
Uh, you can find me trying to convince my wife that we should eclectically decorate our home. Uh, <laughs> but you can also find me at Run Jeff Run on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at TV Pilots License. And TikTok. I'm working hard over oh, there. And TikTok. <laughs> If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, which is on Pretty Little Liars, you can email us at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram for a sneak preview of some of our upcoming episodes. But with the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, we're listening. (laughs) 